Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm really delighted to welcome author Ivory Sims back to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ivory, it's great to be talking with you again. Yes, great to be back with you. Last time we talked, I was blessed to get to know about your son, Driston, and I was so happy to see that he's back again in your book, ABCs of Driston's Autism. So what can readers expect this time? Well, this time is a deeper look into daily activities, like going to store and dealing with other people, just public in general, and how his routine really does help him and how family is very important as a support system for kids with autism. Just an example, using my son's life. Hmm. And how long were you working on it? It didn't take long because it was genuine and it's like really just in life. Hmm. So everything was there. It only took me about maybe two, two, three weeks to fix it. And then, you know, with Fulton Book, it takes about 10 months to perfect it before it goes out. Now, illustrations being so important, what's it like working with an illustrator, taking your words and then working with an artist to make it happen visually? Well, honestly, with Fulton Books and their illustrators that work with them, the whole job, it's been very an easy ride because mm. they understand what I want from them and it, they just execute perfectly every time. Mm. So I don't think I will be going anywhere else for any other project. Uh, the one thing that you touch on pretty heavy here in the ABCs of Driston's Autism is the nonverbal responses yes. and the nonverbal part. Can you talk about that? Nonverbal responses, of course, when you have your um, autistic kid, you've been around them so much. And so you know what they say, Hmm. even though it's not verbal, but you're so used to it. You're their voice to tell other people what they mean. Hmm. And you living in a house with them every day and going out with every day, you know what their needs are. So the nonverbal and verbal communication is both equally important in a household with an autistic kid. And patience is something that, uh, you know, it goes without saying, is part of the job. How do you develop that patience? How do you keep that going day in and day out? Because I have to remind myself, even though I'm not an autistic person, but you want someone to be patient with you when you're doing something. You may not be on the same pace as someone else in this world doing something else. You want somebody to be patient with you, right? So we have to equally give that to a person with autism, but we might have to give it a little bit more because they don't understand things or, you know, you got to help them along the way to grasp concepts. So you just have to look at yourself. You want someone to be patient with you, right? So you be patient with them. It's the golden rule. Absolutely. Yes. So you have to extend grace and that does not go unnoticed. Yeah, especially like grocery store runs. Hmm. A lot of people are very judgy and they're like, why is he doing this? Why she can't control him or what's the problem? Like, you know, you have to contain yourself because they don't understand. Hmm. They're not in your shoes. They're not in your child's shoes. But you have to block out those negative opinions and you know your child and you know how to take care of your own child. And you have to tell your child 
Don't worry about what they're saying. Focus on us. We'll get through this, and we'll finish what we have to do. Don't worry about them. Oh, wow. Cheers to you, Ivory. What, what strength you have. It's quite wonderful. Thank you. So in the future, are you thinking ahead? Is Driston going to be the star of more books? Yes, he will. Awesome. I have some things, some manuscripts already written up. For example, things with traveling with your kid on vacations because, yeah, they like vacations too. Right. So you make it extra fun for them, whether it's a learning experience. And, you know, good experience to relax, too. The name of the book is ABCs of Driston's Autism. It's by Ivory Sims and published by Fulton Books. You can buy it everywhere on Amazon at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Ivory, again, it's been wonderful having you back on the show. Hope we can do this again for the next one. Yes, we will. (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for interviewing me. I love it every time. What does it take to create a successful, multicultural, multi-ethnic, age-inclusive, and socioeconomically inclusive church in a controversial, racially divisive, violence-charged environment like Chicago, Illinois? Well, me, I'd say that's just about impossible, but that's what P.J. Lachelle answers in her new book, The End of the Beginning, The Preached Word of God That Laid the Foundation for the Bridging of the Gap. P.J.'s right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. PJ, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. The end of the beginning, it sounds like it tells quite an interesting story about this church. Could you tell me about it? Well, Lighthouse Church of All Nations started as Lighthouse Apostolic Church when Dan Willis was 16 years old. He got the pastorate of this church by default. There has been a situation where the pastor left and The congregation had dwindled down to 16 members, Mm. and one of the older women, one of the mothers of the church, decided that they should let Danny do it because he had the gift of speak. That's what she said. And he became the pastor, and because he was raised in the Chicagoland area and had so much exposure to the black churches and the Hispanic churches and their music ministries because he was a musician as well as practicing medicine, he had already graduated high school and was going to become a doctor, but he loved gospel music, and he loved the Hispanic culture music, and so he really wanted to embrace that in the congregation that he was trying to establish. So it was a lot of things that just fell together, and his heart and his passion for people and bridging the gap, which is what he calls his ministry, and it's been like that for the last 43 years now. But Starting out, it was quite controversial, and it was that it received a lot of resistance. So him doing it required truly an act of God, and that's pretty much the premise of what founded all of those sermon notes that you find in this book. Wow, what a story. Now, this series is called Ministry Empire Volume 1. So do you have plans for Volume 2 or more volumes after this? Volume two, it's it's only two volumes because it's basically the sermon notes and my take on what was going on during the construction of our very first church building. Hmm. We didn't start building a church until we were 36 years in ministry. Wow. And it took all of that to get there, all of the resistance 
dealing with the cultural resistance of moving the church around, renting buildings in places that did not necessarily receive one of the cultures or many of the cultures that were represented in our congregation, Mm. which kind of leads to the, the main title, The End of the Beginning. This was finally getting, being able to actually have a church property and a building of our own took us so long to just be able to get started. Mm. So we considered that the end of our beginning. We had finally begun. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this, to say, hey, wow, what a story. I need to write this down and I need to get this published for the world. I'm going to say it was my passion for being a member of the church. As of right now, I've been a member of this congregation for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I raised my kids in this ministry. I've collected kids in this ministry. There's a whole bunch of people from Lighthouse that call me mom. And they come in every shape, size, color, culture. And to have that kind of affinity for a group of people and not be able to share that with someone and basically tell the world that there is good stuff going on in the Chicagoland area. You do not have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. That's what really provoked it. The name of the book is The End of the Beginning, The Preached Word of God That Laid the Foundation for the Bridging the Gap. This is written by P.J. Lachelle and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you get books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookstore, too. P.J., Thank you again so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for your hard work on this book. We're looking forward to volume two. Thanks again for being here tonight. Thank you so much. It's my privilege. A woman and her small children are stranded in the dark. In the new book by Kimberly, titled Evening Fall. I'm really happy that Kimberly is with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. A pleasure to be with you. Evening Fall sounds like it's a pretty tense plot. Can you tell me about it? Yes. Evening Fall is about a mother, Karen Miller, traveling alone at night with her two small children, trying to get to her dying mother that lived in North Carolina. They became stranded on an open highway. Their cell phones and tablets needed to be charged. The car charger was thrown out by mistake at a rest area 45 miles behind them. And the mother does the unthinkable to save her own son's life while trying to get to her dying mother. Hmm. As time passed, she's pressured with an urgency to make a decision that no parent should have to make. The question is, does she make the right choice? How did you get the idea for this plot? Did it come from somewhere in particular? You know, I've always been a fan of James Patterson. Hmm. Stephen King, Rod Sterling from the 60s. Mm, Good stuff. It resonated with that type of entertainment. Mm. What's your writing background like? Have you written prior to this? No, this would be my first book. I've always kept a journal throughout the years, but something small and light. Nothing has ever been published. Mm, Congratulations on your first book, and it's a novel that is no small undertaking. What was the most challenging part of it? Oh, wow. It's probably my work schedule. Hmm. I do work in healthcare, and I'm also a trustee in rental property. So it was always just trying to find the time. It's something that I've always wanted to do, but never had time to do it. So that was the most challenging part. Hmm. I've always had the thoughts, but the busyness of life never allowed me to actually take time to write. 
Do you have advice now for aspiring authors who have never written, but they're looking to do what you just did? Yes, absolutely. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Just stay true to yourself. Try to set aside some time to write a little bit every day, if possible. So are you thinking of writing more, maybe getting more books published in the future? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Evening Fall has a cliffhanger. Mm. And there's about 60 people that's read the book. And most of those people have asked, when was the second book coming out? All right. Now, when you write these, are you the kind of writer that outlines and knows what's going to happen clear up through the end? Or do you just start the story and see where it takes you? I actually know the ending while I'm in the process of writing from the beginning to the middle to the ending. Hmm. So, yes, I have an idea in mind as how the ending is going to end. You just explore the journey. Yes, that is correct. Hmm. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Did you encounter writer's block at all? Yes. And I think just that's part of the process, because when you're writing, you want it to flow and you want something that's relatable and you want it to continue to flow. But then there's that time that's like, hmm, what is the next thing I should say? Mm. I don't want to make it too long or too short, but I want something to go just right where it flows. So I do have that writer block from mm. time to time. Do you have any certain strategy for getting yourself back on track? Do you try to get away from it or maybe get a cup of coffee, something like that? Yes. I sometimes do chores at home. I sometimes go for a walk. Anything to keep busy to like mm. distract myself from what I'm trying to do with the writing. And then it just comes back to me like out of the blue. It's often tough to accept that your mind needs a break every once in a while. And if you just keep working, working, working it, then sometimes it just gets tired and the ideas will stop flowing. So got to give it a break. Right. That is true. So again, I, I do the chores. I do some walking. I do something physical, some type of activity mm. to help re-energize myself. I just simply take a time out. Well, that's fantastic. Kimberly, we're looking forward to your next one as well. This book is called Evening Fall. It's written, of course, by Kimberly, published by Fulton Books. You can get this book everywhere at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Kimberly, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time talking with you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Really happy to welcome author Wedler Laguerre to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Got a new book out called Sacrificial Love, To Give Your All. Seven Days to Rediscover Love. This is the journal edition. Wedler, first of all, thank you for joining me here tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me about sacrificial love to give your all? Now, we were talking a little bit before the show, and you said that this is the journal edition because you wanted to give people this option. The first time you put this out, there was no journal. This one has the journal in it. Yes. Prior to this edition, I had published like a self-publication, and um, I didn't have the journal edition. But now... As I'm with the book, I prefer to give people the options as they read. And there's a question that at the end of each chapter, I give them the options to, to write their thoughts and to brainstorm for themselves and to think at, at that moment, then later on. So what can readers expect in Sacrificial Love? What, what's the gist of the book? The book is about loving your partner, your spouse, mm. how to love them. Because the way we love is supposed to to reflect God's love for us. The way God loves us, we're supposed to love that person the same way. 
So it's a reflection of God's love towards that person that we are loving. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this and, and put it out in this point in time? Well, this book was written um, a few years ago. I did a separate publication before, and I decided to go with the um, publishing company this time. Mm. But what pushes me to really um, write this book is after I got married a few years ago, what I had to go through to marry my, my wife, it was the, it gave me the understanding of how we have to sacrifice to show somebody how much we love them. Sometimes we have to sacrifice our, or our character or personality, who we are, in order to really show somebody we love them. I think a lot of us miss the sacrificial part of love. I mean, love is sacrificial. It's in the title of your book. It, it, it's absolutely a perfect description of it, the sacrifice. I mean, you have to be willing to give up things that you want in order to love. Exactly. Because Christ himself, he had to let go of his, of his kingdom. It's not that he couldn't hold on to it. But he was looking forward with us rejoicing with him. He had to give us the, the, the opportunity to understand his love for us. Mm. So that's why he came and he preached, us, he preached the gospel. And his love is through the gospel that we would understand it. Mm. So when he, when he did that, so this is now we got the opportunity to understand his love. Then we have to express his love. Absolutely. What does your writing background look like? Have, have you written books prior to this? Yes. I have written um, quite a few books, hmm. and I'm actually writing um, two books right now, and I'm almost done with them soon to um, submit for publication again. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're a seasoned veteran of the writing and the publishing process. What advice would you give to the beginning author, maybe the author who hasn't published a book yet, but maybe has one in the works and just needs a little bit of advice to really get things going? What would you tell them? Well, what I would say is don't be discouraged because writing a book is not a quick thing. It's patient and don't rush it because sometimes when you think you're done with the book and then you will have uh, another inspiration or a new chapter, things are going to come to add to it. But don't be discouraged. I'm, I, I would encourage everybody, who, every writer out there who have a book in the making, be patient. Make your research and make sure everything you, you want to express is there so you don't miss out on what you really want to say. Well, the name of Wedler's book is Sacrificial Love, To Give Your All, Seven Days to Rediscover Love, the journal edition. It's by Wedler Laguerre and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you buy your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Wedler, thank you again for joining me here tonight on the show. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. Lives Collide, in a story of fate and the longing for happiness, in Fallen, the new book by Gianna Amico Barnes. I'm speaking with Gianna right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gianna, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Now, your book Fallen sounds pretty exciting. Can you tell me about it? So this book was actually kind of inspired by some real-life events as well as some people who are actually impacting my life during the time that I was writing it. Hmm. It's basically about a girl who is just trying to find herself again. She goes through a really rough breakup and it takes its toll on her to the point where she is extremely grateful to have this escape and she ends up going to San Francisco for her brother's graduation and 
she ends up meeting the character Derek. And from there, it just, they kind of find peace in each other. Derek had gone through a lot of very rough things himself. And so they kind of bonded over that pain. And slowly, she begins to put the pieces of her life back together and she finds herself again. So what's your writing background look like? Have you published before this? Um, No, this is actually my first publication. I am actually an English teacher. Oh. From the time I was a little girl, I've loved writing. I was one of those girls who liked to journal a lot Hmm. and write poetry for fun. But writing for me has always just been only for me. It's been something very personal. And that's my, I guess you could call it my coping method. Hmm. Whenever I was going through really rough times in my life, instead of holding it in because I'm not one to talk about my feelings to other people, I would just write everything out on paper Hmm. and it would help me to feel better and move past it. So. Even if I haven't been an official published author, this is my first book that's come out. Writing has been a huge part of my life for a really long time. Oh, congratulations on that first one. That's that's a huge deal. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Thank you. What was the toughest part about it for you? For me, the toughest part about it was trying to figure out how to bring the characters to life. Hmm. I feel in a good story, you can visualize the characters, you can feel what they're feeling and experience what they're going through. So my biggest struggle was trying to figure out how to bring these characters to life in a way that my readers could relate to them while still making it interesting. And it's not just so much details that you get overwhelmed. Mm. And I wanted it to be where you see the character growth and you learn more about them the more you read instead of just kind of getting everything up front. Mm. So just trying to find that balance for me was the biggest struggle. You talked about how you used to journal, and a lot of writers do that. It's super beneficial. Is that something you still do? Yes, I do. Mm. (laughs) I actually do that a lot, and that's actually how Fallen started. So last year in March... I had started the research aspect for my doctoral dissertation and then COVID hit and it was just between trying to learn how to teach online all of a sudden, Mm. do my research, write my dissertation. It was just very overwhelming for me and I started to write Fallen. It was just a story that kind of came to me one night when I was sleeping. And like I said, I was going through some stuff at that time as well. And Fallen kind of just happened. Mm. And I just started writing just as a break from reality. Like I was using the story to give myself an escape from everything that I had to deal with. And so, like I said, it was just going to be for me. But when one of my really good friends found out that I finished writing it, she told me to let her read it. Like, don't just keep it locked up in a box. Like, let me read it. You always talk about writing. So just let somebody read it because this is the first time I actually put my thoughts into an actual storyline. And she ended up really liking it. So just for fun, we sent it off to Fulton Books, not expecting anything to happen from there. And 
they got back to me and said that they would publish it. It was just a whirlwind of events that kind of took off quicker than I could wrap (laughs) my mind around it. Sometimes the editing part can be a lot of work. Did you have to do a lot of revisions? Yes. The initial revisions that we did, it was happening the same time I had to revise my dissertation. Mm. So my brain was just overloaded and I was spread way too thin. And so we had to go back and revise it a second time after they sent me the hard copies. So when they sent the hard copies, I realized there's a lot of mistakes that I didn't catch. And again, that was my fault. I had to do the editing of the dissertation at the same time and just staring at the computer screen all day. I, it was just too much. So when I finally had the hard copy in my hand and I could mark up the pages and see what needed to be fixed, We have to send it off for revisions again. So that was probably the most stressful part about the editing process. I've heard it gets easier as you go on. So do you plan on writing some more and getting more books published? So Fallen is actually just the first book out of a three-book series. Oh, great. And so right now we just finished the editing for the second book. And Fulton is working on the page design. Hmm. So hopefully that'll be out soon. And then the third book is already written. Wow. It got approved to be published. So it's just going through the process of editing and getting it out there now. The name of this book is Fallen, written by Gianna Amico Barnes, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, at Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore as well. Gianna, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a nice time talking about your book and chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me, Corey. You have a wonderful evening. I'm happy to have with me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable author Pastor Daryl Riley. He's just written a book. It's out now. It's called The Love That Was Meant to Be. Daryl, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're welcome. It's exciting to be with you today. I'm excited to be talking with you, too. Can you tell me what readers can expect in the love that was meant to be? What readers can expect is how love and romance and marriage was really designed by the Creator. Hmm. Some of the things that is really important and essential for a real thriving love life was meant to be in the first place. Where did the idea for this come from? It came from me meeting my wife and eventually marrying her. Before I met her, I had a vision about her in a dream. Hmm. And it was quite out of the ordinary because I saw this beautiful woman in my dream. And in the dream, I married her twice. And I woke up from the dream and I was kind of baffled about it. (laughs) And so two months after the dream, I had some problems with my debit card. And so I went to my bank and my bank transferred me over to the card service who handles debit card. And she answered the phone. Now, I had never seen her face because she was on the phone. So we got in a lengthy conversation. She finally helped me with my card, but her voice, it was just something about her voice that attracted me. And so after my card was uh, straightened out, I wanted to talk to her. And so we talked for a while. And then after we continued talking, her son sent me a picture of her and it was face that I saw 
in my dream. Wow. And it's, oh my God, is this real? It was really exciting. I'm telling you, it was truly exciting because now my vision was actually coming into fruition. And so that gave me my greatest inspiration on how to have a true love experience. About how long were you working on this then? I worked on the book probably uh, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. You know, I wanted to get all of the intricate details that I felt that would be beneficial to those who was actually looking for a true love, a soulmate. And so that what inspired me to want to share that with others. Hmm. What does your background look like as a writer? Is this your first publishing experience? Yes, it's my first book that I've authored. It's truly exciting. Since then, I'm working on two other books because it just motivated me. And, you know, I felt like maybe this was a calling for me to actually get into the book writing. Mm. Well, congratulations on getting your first book out there. Such a big deal. A lot of people say they want to write a book sometime in their life and few get around to it. So kudos to you for putting in the work and the patience it takes to get a book published. Thanks. So what would you say is the most challenging part of editing and, and getting it all ready for publishing? One of the most challenging things I think is having the available time. Mm. You know, you have to make time. You have to sacrifice time and effort because time and effort do go into your writing. And so those are some of the things that you would definitely have to really confine yourself to, time and effort. Mm. Absolutely. Do you have any words of wisdom now for authors that are looking to embark on this publishing journey for the first time? One of the things I would advise others who has that inspiration is to just stick to it. Mm. Even if you have to work on it a little out of time, just stick to it. Just pursue it until you complete what you are seeking for. When you were writing this, did it all come out easily or, or did it take some work in parts? Was it tougher at times? Did you get writer's block at all? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Of course, when you're writing, you do run into uh, little roadblocks and things of that nature. Uh, but you do have to just sometimes just get away for a while oh, yeah. and then get back to it so your mind can be refreshed and you can go back to honing in on some of the key ideas that you want to present. Well, the book is called The Love That Was Meant to Be. It was written by Pastor Daryl Riley, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Daryl, thank you again for coming on the show tonight. Thank you for this wonderful book, and thank you again for talking. You're welcome. And it's also designed for married couples and those who are seeking to be married. It's a children's book, but it's really for all ages. It's called for the Children, Who Am I, ABCs, and the author, Sherilyn McGarry, has just pulled a seat up with me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sherilyn, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Could you tell me about For the Children, Who Am I, ABCs? This is a book you said is for all ages, actually. It is. 
I originally had the idea for the book because I have worked in many, many situations where people have lost touch with who they are. Hmm. And for the children itself is to help the children maintain their connection to universe and their inner happy. And for the old people like you and I um, and older, our inner child is what is just wanting to come out. And so the book actually was designed to help our inner child come out so that we can reconnect to who we really are and find our happy. So what's your writing background look like? Have you written books before? No, absolutely not. My writing background consists of journaling and journaling. I've journaled for years and years and years. I've started probably 20 books and put them down. And this time, um, Universe said, hey, let's do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. That's not uncommon for a lot of writers to start projects. You're excited about projects at first. And then when the excitement wears off or the motivation wears off, it just kind of fizzles out. And I'm so glad to hear that you completed this one and that you got it out. Me too. I self-published at first. But when I went to actually have it printed, it printed out as a magazine or a catalog. Hmm. And I wanted to go with Fulton because now I have a copyright. Well, that's wonderful. What advice would you give now to aspiring authors who also want to get their first book published? Do it. Hmm. <laughs> Do it. Because it brings out the inner happy. Hmm. And that's the only thing that matters. Absolutely. It's the wonderful thing about writing. There's such joy when you do it. And on the other side, there's joy for the readers. You're bringing joy. You're bringing positivity into other readers. So it's great on both ends. I said it in a nutshell. That, that was my nutshell. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> so what's next? Do you plan on writing another book, publishing another book? I am. Um, I currently started writing about this particular book. I'm writing the adult version to help explain some of the thoughts behind the different selections for the alphabet. Hmm. Now, when it came to the illustrations, what was that process like? You know, working with somebody who is trying to create visually what you have in your head and what you've written, what kind of a thing was that for you? I did the illustrations myself. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was like getting my little iPad out and drawing, and hopefully I can make it look like it's supposed to look. <laughs> I originally made the book so that it was for children, and the illustrations are my inner child drawing, because my adult child does, uh, drawing does not exist. So, so the, the illustrations are literally, I went inside my brain and went, oh, here we go. How does this one look like from my inner child's point of view? So that is why the illustrations are what they are. I'm a massage therapist by trade. And the reason the book is about feeling is because I also am an empath and I feel everything. Mm. So literally my, my whole entire life has been about feeling the energies of people. And I actually, because I'm a massage therapist as well, I feel mind, body, and soul at different levels, depending on the healing process of the person. Well, Sherilyn, thank you for writing this book. The name of the book, again, is For the Children, Who Am I? ABCs, 
Again, written by Sherilyn McGarry and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Sherilyn, thank you so much again for being here with me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It has truly been an honor. We all go through grief during our lives. And through her own grief, author Kathleen Maxwell Ramby looks to encourage those dealing with grief in her new book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, How to Overcome in Life's Disappointments, Change, and Loss. Kathleen is right here with me now at the show. Kathleen, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you today, Corey. I really appreciate the opportunity. It is a pleasure to be talking with you. Can you tell me about what readers can expect in Thriving Through Seasons of Grief? You know, I think the thing that they can expect is tools that will help them overcome in life's disappointments, change, and loss. Grief has been one of my best teachers, and it affects all of us. But they'll expect to find what the process looks like and how it affects us and the challenges and benefits of grief, how to partner with the process. I think it's going to be a helpful tool to those that are grieving as well as those that have friends and loved ones that are going through a life-changing loss in their lives. And hopefully, you know, they're going to walk away with tools and things that will help them build a new life. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this out and, and publish it for the world? I think when I went through just kind of a short version, I lost my late husband and my mom and dad all in a short time frame. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, you know, the three people that love you the most and have been with you the longest mm. were gone. And, and I knew that I wasn't exempt from the process, but I didn't want to waste the pain. And mm. I think that there are a lot of lies out there about grief and nobody, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to really go through it, but it's in the process and how we press in and embrace the pain and learn how to deal with it in a positive way that healing and understanding comes to the heart. And so it was through those losses, as well as I'd had a miscarriage and mm. I'd gone through some other major disappointments and, and loss in my life. And I personally had a hard time finding things that were easy to understand that were really helpful in my own life. And so it was really birthed out of that because I really have a, a heart and a desire to just help people overcome and take steps forward in their lives. I'm a speaker and podcaster. And so my passion is helping people hmm. going through adversity. Now, several things you just said struck me. Uh, one of them was to embrace the pain. You didn't want to waste the pain. Now, I think to a lot of us, that sounds sort of strange, like the opposite, like, okay, I'm experiencing pain. I want to get away from the pain, don't I? Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes it's, I'm a Christian and my book is written from a Christian perspective. And I think a lot of times what I encountered was a lot of people, it seemed like, well, you know, you know, God, you ought to be over it. Hmm. That's true. God does heal broken hearts. But I think grief is such a process and it's painful. And none of us really want to experience pain. You know, we live in a microwave society. We want to get away. Exactly. We want things done quickly. And grief is just not one of those things. And so that was my constant prayer is, Lord, work things in me and work things out of me. Let me grow and become a better person. And so for me, that's how I didn't 
you know, I didn't want to waste the pain. And I, I write in a very transparent, down-to-earth way. You know, and the book is for people that find themselves in the ashes of their life. Kathleen's book is titled Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, How to Overcome in Life's Disappointments, Change, and Loss. It's written, of course, by Kathleen Maxwell Ramby and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere you get your reading material on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookshop, too. Kathleen, thank you for joining me here tonight. Such a great book. I had a wonderful time chatting. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate the opportunity. There's a unique book of poems that just hit store shelves. It's titled American Cultural Theater 2020, Volume 1. It's written by William Stewart Jr., and William is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. William, thank you so much for being here tonight. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. You've written four very unique poems in American Cultural Theater 2020. Can you tell me about them? Yes, the the poems are through my experience in life. I had many different events, and I enjoy writing poems because it's inspirational, and they come to me, and I just file them, but I chose to put them in this book along with the plays. And you've chosen to uh, sort of celebrate some different writers in your poetry. Oh, yes. I'm an avid reader and always enjoyed a wide range of topics and writers. The particular writers I honor in this book have changed my perspective and have a wide range of focus and interest. They were very motivational to me. And I had the pleasure of meeting one of the writers, Emily Mann, Hmm. and it was just an awesome experience. And she, I got to stay with her for 10 days and it just changed my perspective on my writing. It helped me format this book. I wrote a play that won nationally in a theater conference, and I got to spend time with Emily Mann, Edward Albee, and Paula Vogel. Mm. And that experience with those three amazing playwrights has changed and set up the focus for this book. I wrote a comedy that was nationally accredited and got noticed. So I talked to them about, should I stick with comedy or um, what's their advice? And they told me to take on everything I'm feeling and aspire to. Don't just limit myself to one genre or drama or Hmm. comedy. Or Emily Mann writes documentary plays, and I have never experienced that until I met her and seen, seen her play. And it inspired me to write the play World Citizen, Arthur, King of the Court focused on Arthur Ashe's life. Hmm. So it changed my understanding of writing and gave me so much confidence because those three acknowledged me. And Paula Vogel was the first one ever in my life to ask me for my autograph. Wow. So I'm I'm still amazed at that. So what's your publishing background like? Have you you published before or is this your first published work? Uh, This is actually my first published work. I did a lot of research on publishing, and Fulton Books was the most credible and very comforting to me, hmm. As and I endeavored into it, and it was an amazing experience because they helped me and gave me confidence and just supported me on this journey. Yeah, because the publishing process can be so daunting. There's a lot of work involved, and you have to have a certain amount of patience to get through it. What advice would you give to aspiring authors who have never been through the publishing thing before and are looking to take this on? 
the best advice I can give is to believe in yourself and trust in your work. Like you mentioned, the process is daunting, but through the help of good publishers and the help of understanding this is me and every writer is unique mm. and every unique perspective is welcome to the world because there are a lot of people who are needing to hear different words and different perspectives. So believe in yourself and take that step and try it. That's great advice. You said you have a passion for writing, passion for poetry. Uh, do you plan on writing more and getting more books published? Uh, yes, that's funny because um, over the years I've been librarying what I call my work, hmm. and I finally decided to publish it. And I did the research, but once I sent it in, 10 days later, I finished my second book. Wow. And then uh, about a month after that, I finished my third. So hmm. I have three volumes already done. And I've been writing more since then. So I'm looking forward to working again with Fullerton. And I'm thinking the beginning of 2022, hopefully have the second one released. The name of the book is American Cultural Theater 2020, Volume 1, by William Stewart Jr. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. William, thank you again for being here tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Uh, thank you, Corey. I really enjoyed it as well. Children are encouraged to explore their unique gifts and talents. In the new book by Dr. Kimberly Smith, it's titled, You Were Designed to Shine. I'm really happy to be talking with Kimberly here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kimberly, thank you for joining me here tonight. Hi, and thank you for having me. Could you tell me about You Were Designed to Shine? Sure. You Were Designed to Shine is a book to encourage young girls to be comfortable with who they are and to embrace their interests because that can lead to careers they love. And additionally, I was very intentional about introducing careers in the sciences and the arts, hmm. all while expanding their vocabulary. Hmm. Why the emphasis on the science and the arts? Because I feel like it's important for young girls or children in general to seek their interests. And so for some, some are artistic, some are more creative. And we talk about that in the book. You know, some of the professions are dancers or interior designers. But then we also have veterinarians and scientists and attorneys. And so I just wanted to have a broad spectrum of professions to introduce to the children. That's great. That's so important. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this at this point in time and publish it? I'd like to say that it just came to me. But as I think back over my past and my past experiences, I've worked in child development and early childhood education mm -hmm. my entire career. I also teach early childhood courses at the collegiate level. And I really think it was a combination of my child care background and my current work with college students that definitely played a role in that. And so I think it's always been important to foster that social and emotional development in young children and in girls in particular. And at the collegiate level, on the flip side of that coin, I see a lot of students that come in their freshman year, freshman and sophomore year, and have no clue what they want to major in. They're kind of just mm. in college because it was the next step after high school. Right. You know, and so I think the culmination of the two sort of inspired me to move forward with this project. It's fantastic. About how long were you working on this? A little over a year. 
I began, I signed the contract January of 2020, and I had the book in hand this past March. Congratulations. It's such a big deal to get that book out there with your name on it on shelves. How's it feel now that after a year's work, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of patience. Yes. How do you feel now that you can look in the mirror and say, hey, that's a published author now? It's surreal. Hmm. I'm excited, of course, but it's the part of it that is surreal because I never dreamed of writing a book, you know? Hmm. And so, of course, I knew the process all along the way. I knew when the draft books were coming my way to my doorstep. But it was something about when I opened that box and actually held the copy in my hand. Mm. It just made it a reality to me. It's excitement, yet surreal, all at the same time. Mm. It is so rewarding to do this. Do you plan on doing it more and writing more books, publishing more? Yes. Actually, um, I've already started uh, working on a version of this book for young boys. I don't know. I think I may have picked up a writer's niche here. Mm, I think so, too. <laughs> So do you have advice for aspiring authors, people, you know, who are like you, didn't write a book before, haven't published a book before, but they have a story to tell, they have a message that they want the world to know. What advice would you give them? I always refer to Nike, the slogan for Nike. I would say just do it. Hmm. I've had people since my book has come out tell me, you know, they started a book, never finished it, or they've always wanted to write a book, but they don't have the time. My advice to them would be there is no right time. Hmm just started. I would encourage them to continuously write their thoughts and ideas down when it comes to them. And eventually, you know, it would all, it'll all come together, but to just do it, just get started. Mm, great advice. The name of the book is You Were Designed to Shine. It's written by Dr. Kimberly Smith, published by Fulton Books. You can buy this book everywhere that you get your reading material at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick and mortar stores too. Kimberly, thank you again for, first of all, writing this wonderful book and also for chatting with me tonight. I had a great time. All right. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.